Hallelujah. Good to be in his house. We want to hear what he has to say this morning. We're going to look today, if you would turn with me over to 1 Chronicles. We're going to look at this little obscure passage. It's just two verses. Many times I read and you probably get tired. I'll hit about 15 verses. But there is just two verses we're going to look at today. And there's some stuff in there. Some, there's some good stuff that the Lord wants us to see. When the Lord puts uh, anything in the Word of God, it's for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, righteousness. It's, it's to do something to you. It's for us to see it. Nothing, there's not one word there that's not for a purpose. And so today we're going to look at, we're looking at prayer this month. This is, we're focusing on prayer. We need to pray like never before. And so we're going to look at the prayer, a prayer of Jabez that God not only heard but answered. And so he wants us to see what the difference is in this young man. If you'd stand with us this morning for the reading of the word, two verses, 1 Chronicles 4, 9, and 10. And it says, and Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bear him with sorrow. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, and that thine hand be with me, and that thou wouldest keep me from evil, and that it might not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. God granted him that which he requested. We're going to look at today for a few minutes the prayer of Jabez. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I, I thank you, Lord, for your presence and your spirit in Almighty God. And Lord, I thank you that you want us to pray. You want us to seek you. You want to move, Almighty God. You want to show yourselves faithful. But God, we've got to pray. We've got to seek your face. And Almighty God, I pray that you would stir us this morning that we would see what you're trying to tell us this morning. We would be stirred to know that you're a God who wants to answer our prayers. But God, we've got to pray. We've got to seek your face. And then God, you'll move. Almighty God, you'll stir. Now move this service. And God, you give me the anointing of your spirit. And God, that you would move in the altar. And God, reach hearts and souls. Encourage us in your word today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. The prayer of Jabez. The, this, this prayer, the, the thing that's really uh, will catch your attention. In fact, most of you may never even have seen this before. You may have heard it. There's been, there's been a book written in 2001 by uh, Bruce Wilkinson that would become a, a, a number one bestseller. So you may have heard it, may have that in your library, I don't know. But the reason you may miss it, there is nine chapters in this book Nine chapters of the genealogy of the children of Israel from Adam all the way through the different lineages so far. Uh, over 500 names of this person was born and he begat this son and he begat and it just keeps going. 500 names. Tucked into chapter 4, right in the middle of all this, is this one period where all of a sudden this lineage stops. And the writer of the Word of God, the anointing of the Word of God says, wait a minute, when we get to this name right here, I've got to say more than just a name. I'm going to give you a little commentary to show that he stood out above the rest. And in fact, when it gets to the tree, he was from the tribe of Judah. He gets to the tribe of Judah and he's going down. He's the 44th name. 44th name. He prays. Uh, uh, the difference in this, this situation is there's a prayer that he prays. It gives a little commentary. Now, you won't find him anywhere else. You can look all you want to in the beginning and all through the rest of Scripture. This is the only place you're going to see him. 
This is the only place. But the word of the Lord tells us there's something special about this young man. And we're going to see today it's the prayer he prayed. There, there is a separate... He, he, he it says, uh, tells us a little bit about him. Uh, it says that in the first part of chapter 9, it says that first verse, it says, And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. It's talking about all these, most likely, it's not just talking about his immediate family. It's talking about we're going through this list of names, and there's some good people in this list. Most of them you've never heard of. Now, most of these men lived between the dashes, like some, many people do today. Live between the dashes. There's, there's a beginning and there's an end of their life. The question is, what happens in between the dashes? On the, that tombstone when you're going to see. You see, you go walking through and you see names, you see dates. There's a dash. That dash represents life. What happened between those two dates that was memorial or, or memorable about that person? Something happened in his life that it stood out. And you see name after name of people you've never heard of before. And they lived just a normal common life. They was worried about getting up and doing what they wanted to do. And putting in another day and keep looking down the road. And raising their kids and, and trying to, uh, to keep a roof on their house. But they didn't do anything that God stopped and said anything about. As their children were reiterating this lineage and telling their children... But there was something special. God says, I can't just stop when I get to this name. Because this man, who we're going to see had least reason to put his trust in God, least reason to be someone memorial because of his name. It's going to tell a little bit about him. But this man changed some things. And I want to recognize him. We see that he says he was more honorable. He was someone that was better and stood out above all those rest of his lineage. He goes on in the second part of that verse, in nine, or verse 9, and it tells a little bit about where his name came from. And it says, And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bear him with sorrow. His name means pain. Pain. How would you like, how would you like to have your name be pain? And every time your mother hollers at you, or one of your friends calls your name, you're reminded that your name represents the facts that you hurt everybody you touch. Your name, his name meant pain. Now listen, it's important what you call your children. I mean, in biblical times, I can tell you many, many, many times the name you give your children was a reflection, almost prophetic reflection, of what was going to become in their life. You can see that in several different people's names in Scripture. We see that David... His name meant beloved. Now, is there ever, was there ever a king in all Israel's history that was loved more than King David? The people loved him. They cherished him. Not only did the people cherish him, but he was loved of God. He said, the Scripture says, the Lord says, He's a man after my own heart. The Lord loved him. His name meant beloved. Now, he made a lot of mistakes, but he was someone that was cherished and people loved him. Some people hated him, but most of them loved him. So we see his name was prophetic. Solomon. Do you know what Solomon's name was? It meant peace. Solomon was maybe the only king of Israel that during his entire reign never had one war. God gave him peace. Through the wisdom, through the things that God gave him, the power and the, 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 the people of the world was amazed in him. God just gave peace. His name meant peace. It played out in his life. 
Oh, let me tell you something else. Here's another person whose name was very telling, Jacob. Jacob, his name means supplanter, deceitful. And by the way, I'm, 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 I'm a little ashamed to tell you, but James, the name James, is a derivative of Jacob. So, Lord, help me is all I can say. Hopefully I'm not deceiving you all today. But we know that was Jacob's life, wasn't it? His whole first part of his life was, was, was he tried to get ahead in everything in his life through deceit. Through being a supplanter. He, even when he was born, he was holding on to the heel saying, I want to be first. And we see that he, he, uh, uh, he deceived his brother. He deceived his father. He then had to run for his life. He deceived his father-in-law. And when he's sitting here coming back and he ends up realizing he's about to be killed because his brother's coming with 400 men, he gets serious with God and he realized, Lord, this, this life I've been living is not working. It's, I'm going to get killed because of the, the deceit in my heart. Lord, you got it. He wrestled with God. And God touched him, and no longer did he walk the same. He walked with kind of the way I walk sometimes with this limp. But he walked because the Lord put his hip out of joint, and he changed him. He touched him. In fact, he changed him so much. What did he do? He didn't just say, I changed you. He said, I'm giving you a brand new name. No longer are you going to be the deceitful one, but I'm giving you a new name. I'm giving you Israel. So we see that names are very important. Very important. Uh, but we see that Jabez was pain was his name. And we see that, that, can you imagine a kid, that, that stigma of his name that every time, we don't know what caused the pain. It doesn't tell, it doesn't tell us this, uh, what happened. We, we assume it was some extraordinary pain in childbirth. In fact, maybe he was born breech. Maybe the father left the mother when he was born. Something happened. Something horrible happened that the mother said, you were so painful to me. I'm going to mark your life by calling you by pain. And so his life, if there's anybody that had plenty of reason to say, I'm never going to amount to anything. I'm never going to be anything because all I can think of is everybody is pain when they think of me. They think of pain. And so his heart was no doubt struggled and, and, and there was trouble. But at verse 10 starts out, he does something different than all of his brethren. And we see that the first part of that verse says, the key that makes a difference, why he's got this little passage. And it says, and Jabez called on the God of Israel. Yes. What was different about that? I mean, all the ones before him, they had the same opportunity. They knew of the same God. They'd seen God do all these things for the nation of Israel. And yet they were just living their lives. But something happened in Jabez. He looked at his life and he realized, God, if somebody doesn't do something, my life's going to be just like the rest of them. I'm going to be just like everyone else. In fact, I'm going to be worse because my life causes pain. And I want to change that and I can't do it in myself. And he realized the God of Israel, if you'll call out on him, maybe God can do something to change his life. And that's a secret if we get this today and realize the same God that he called on is the same God we call on. And instead of us just being casual like here, instead of us causing our, I read in, in, in a book talking about the people that stand out and they call them gimpers. A gimper is someone who goes a little above and beyond everyone else, whatever he does. They, they, they're the ones that they want to do a little better. They, they don't want to just do a casual job and, and get the job done. They're the ones that wants to do even better. They want to do it with perfection. And so Jabez was someone who said, God, I don't want just a casual relationship with you. I don't want to be just casual like everybody else is coming. Lord, my life's going the wrong direction. You've got to change me. And he called out on the God of heaven. And this prayer, this, this prayer that he called out to God, this 33-word prayer, 
turned his life completely around. And so the, why did God put this in here? Not only to recognize Jabez, but God puts it in here so that you and I can see this and realize that God wants to do things in our lives. If we will just say, I don't want to be like everybody else. God, I want you in my life, number one. I want you to bless my life. I want you to have your way in my life. And God will do it if we call out on him. He knew he couldn't do it himself. But he said, I want to be different than all those names that's come before me. I know you're real. I know you possess power that can transform lives. And I'm trusting you bless my life in abundance. And we know that God heard that prayer. So this morning we're going to look. He had four things he asked for. Four distinct things that he asked for. And when you look at them, you may think, well, that's selfish. God didn't know. God don't want that now. That's, you're being selfish the way you prayed. And you may think about that, but we're going to show you today why it's not the fact and that God wants us to pray like this. We see the first thing he said in verse 10 there, and it says, when he prayed, it says he was saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed. That's the request he made to God. God, bless my life Indeed, that word indeed there is a word of exclamation. It's like taking five exclamation points and putting after that, Oh God, that you would bless me abundantly. Underline it. Bold print. God abundantly bless me. Lord, I don't want just for you to, to touch my life. I want you to bless me over the top. The first thing he was saying to God was, God, he was praying for God to bless with overflow. Listen, do you think that God wants you just to have, just a, just, let me give you your little portion. This morning we may have to portion the stuff that we got to hand out because it's not unlimited. But God's resources are unlimited. And so when you come before Him and you ask Him for His blessing in your life, God doesn't have to say, well, I've got you a little bit. No, God has no limit. And so God is wanting to overflow and we're coming out with a little cup and say, Lord, uh, you know, we had some little cups out for our deal yesterday that they provide little video cups, not enough to really take care of business. You know, they're just not that much. I, that's not what I want. But most of them come and they, they brought their own big cup, their own big uh, container they had with them. They took the lid off and no, I don't want that. I want more than that. And they just filled to their content. And that's the way God's presence is in our life. God says, I want you to get everything I have for you. And so many times we don't even ask God for what He has for us. We say, well, God, if you want to give it to me, you'll just give it to me. And so we come to God with, their, uh, with all of our problems and everything, but we don't say, God, bless my life. But he knew that his life was never going to be anything if God didn't bless him. So he said, bless me indeed, God. You've got to do it. And so he wasn't being uh, uh, selfish. He was saying, God, I want all you got for me. How many times have you said that to God? God, I want all you've got for me. I want it all. God wants us to pray like that. God wants us to want him to bless us. So we see that God, there's, there's blessings that await those who ask. You know, James, Dad was talking about James a minute ago. Chapter 4, the chapter before what he read, James tells us that we don't have things because we never asked for it. We didn't even ask. And it says, here's, well, here's what we do. Here's how we try to get. Scripture, James is telling us how we get what we, uh, what we want. It says, you lust, you want things, but you don't get them. You have not. You kill. I mean, we're, I'll do whatever it takes to get it and desire to have and even then, I cannot obtain. It's James chapter 4, verse 2 is up there. Uh, and desire to have, 
and could not and cannot obtain, ye fight in war. In other words, you're doing everything in your power and your strength to be able to get things and it just falls through your fingers. It's like sand through your fingers. You can't do it. Why? You're doing it in yourself. But the person who can give it to you, the person who knows exactly what you need, it says we don't even ask. It goes on to the last part of that verse. Yet ye have not. Why? Because ye ask not. We go through our lives and we just say, God, if you want to give it to me, give it to me. No, God wants us to ask. You, you're, you're, you don't want your kids to go through life and they are thirsty and they won't even ask for a drink. They're hungry and they don't even ask, can I have something to eat? They have a desire, they need something in school and they don't want to tell you. Why? Because, well, if mom and dad cared about me, they'd just know and they'd get it for me. Well, no, I didn't need, no, you needed two notebooks. you got to tell me you need stuff. God wants us, now God knows everything, however, but God wants us to come to Him and ask Him so that He can pour His blessing on us. Listen. If you don't get this this morning, you're going to miss out on the blessings that God has for your life. God wants to give you more than we're taking. I want to stand before God during this period when we're calling on Him and say, God, whatever you got for me, whatever you got for this church, whatever you got for my family, I'll take it and I'll take some more if you got it. Whatever you got, Lord, this is what I want. And so He's showing us here this morning that we need to ask because we're missing out. I read an illustration that, that just fit this perfectly. It was, it was a story that's not true, but it's a good illustration. It was talking about Mr. Jones. I mean, it's true, but it's not a true story. You'll see in a minute. Mr. Jones died, Christian, and he went to heaven. And when he got to heaven, as we know, everybody says, Peter met him at the gate. And when he got to the gate, and there's Peter, and he's talking to Peter, and Peter's welcoming him in, there's this big building, a big old building, looked like a big storage facility behind Peter. So Mr. Jones is saying, Peter, what is that? What, that's crazy looking. What is that big bill? Don't worry about it. It's okay. Let's go over this way. And I'm, no, I want to know what's in there. And he said, don't worry about it. So he runs up to the door. And he's trying, no, don't go in there. You don't. And so he pushes his way. I want to see what's in there. And as he gets to the door, he sees that there's shelves everywhere. And every shelf has got white boxes on it with red ribbon tied around it and people's names right on the front of the boxes. Well, he gets real excited. Now he's like, Look at this, everybody's names. There's names on these boxes. Do I have a box? Is there a box in this room, in this building for me? And Peter's like, you don't want, don't worry about it. And no, there's probably is. So he goes running into the building and he's running down the aisles and he's looking for Jays for Mr. Jones and he's looking and he finds Jones and he's going down the shelves and he finally finds, there's his name. There he is, that's his box. And he won't listen. He rips the box cover off to see what is in that box. It's got his name on it and he looks down inside of it and then he sighs. He realizes it's the blessings that God had for him he never asked for. They're still in the box. Still never used. The point is, there is things today that God has for you that you will not receive if you don't ask. You have not because you ask not. There's things. You may get one blessing. God may have 20 for you today. And so Jabez's prayer is showing us that we can receive blessing if we ask. Blessing awaits those also who surrender to God's will. By the way, when he said this, so we think that he's being selfish. When he says that, Lord, bless me indeed. Did he tell God what, how he, did he give him a laundry list of, and this is the way you can bless me? No. He trusted God to do the blessing. He trusted God to give him what he wanted to give him when he wanted to give it to him. He just asked for the blessing. What he's saying is, God, whatever you got for me, whatever it is, it's going to be better than I want for myself. 
I trust you. I put my confidence in you. I want you to bless me. I want you to pour out your spirit on me. I want you to do what you want to do in my life. And I trust you to do what you want to do. And whatever it is, God, let that be my will that I receive that. Too many times we've got our list. We, know we, got, we tell God what we want Him to do. But how many times do we come before God and we just say, God, whatever you want to do. Because God's will is always the best will for our life. God wants to bless. God wants to pour it out. And when we're trusting Him to bless us and to give us, us what we need the most, and we say, God, that's what I want, that is when we see God's greatest blessing poured out in our life. Not our plans, not our desires, but His will. So we see that he asks first and foremost, God, I want overflow of your blessing. I want everything you have. He goes on in that second part of verse 10, and it says that it says, and, and uh, uh, Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, And enlarge my coast. What's he talking about? Is he talking about the, the, the sea or what's he talking about? Give me ships. What's he saying there? That word coast is talking about his borders or his boundaries. See, every one of us is born and we have, right now, you have a certain amount of uh, uh, things that's been provided from you. Maybe, uh, uh, the, you know, maybe someone left you some things. You have a certain amount of talent. You have a certain amount of influence. You have a certain amount of blessings that's been given you and that God has provided for you. And Jabez was no doubt the same. He was a, a, a children of he was a tribe of Judah. He was given there was a certain portion of land that he was given. So yes, sometimes it's physical things. We we he wanted God to enlarge the boundaries of the inheritance that he had. He looked at what he was given, and, and he was and happy for what he was given. And we're going to see this goes on beyond this. But do you think that God wants to bless His children? I mean, does God want to hold out on you and, and, and keep you from having the good things? I'm not talking, listen, you won't, you're not going to hear me preaching a, a uh, 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 I can't even think the term of it right now, what I'm trying to, uh, trying that God's going to just, oh, God's going to give you a Cadillac or a, something like that. I'm not saying that. But let me tell you something. Look at the life of Abraham. God blessed, because he was faithful to God, everything he touched seemed to blossom. Joseph's life, he was going through turmoil and they kept promoting him because everything he touched, God blessed it. Why? He was God's child. You know what happens? When God pours out his, your children, you don't want them to be, you're not going to give the next door neighbor's kid the same thing you give your children. You're going to give your, your children's going to get the best of the best, Right? I mean, you can be good to other people, but your children gets the best. God wants to do things for His children and bless, but sometimes we have to ask. Sometimes we have to ask. We have to desire. It's up to us. And so He's looking and saying, God, this is wonderful and everything, but is this all there is? God, I'm, I'm your child. God, can you give me more? Can you give me more influence? Can you give me more? Can you expand my boundaries? Lord, has the enemy stolen anything from my family? Has the enemy come in and, 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 our, and our enemies have pushed in and taken things that you promised us? If so, God, I want you to bless me. Give me my boundaries back. God, expand the boundaries so that everyone can see that you bless my life. God blesses you so that you can bless others. God blesses you so that you... Now, if we hoard up the things that God gives us, then He'll shut it off. 
But when God blesses His children, everyone can see that's something. God, look at their life. Man, God's blessing that person. And then they can see that they're a funnel. I knew people that's been like that, that God used them as a funnel. It comes in and it goes right back out. Why? God's blessing them. They know He's going to take care of their needs and they can take care of others. So God will bless those boundaries. He's, he, he's got things for us. And the enemy sometimes, you know, do you realize that? There's times, even in our lives, if we start looking, there's things the enemy may have pushed you back. There was an area that maybe that before you used to be able to move forward, you had more of an influence, you had more things, and the enemy keeps, he, look, he may be even taking your children. He may be taking blessings that God wants you to have. And so we have to sometimes say, God, I want everything. I want the blessings you've got. God, you give me back. You push back that enemy. You give me that territory, God. This is not the enemy's territory. This is your children's territory. And I want you to move in that. It's not just physical territory. But it is the, it's not inheritance, but sometimes it's influence, as I mentioned in other, a minute ago. Influence to others. There is influence in your life that you could be impacting other people. And because we look at our deficiencies, we look at our limitations, we look at our backwardness, we look at the fear that's in our heart, we shut off what God wants to do. How many times would God in our hearts do more in our lives if we'd say, God, increase the influence that I have for others toward you. Change the influence, God. You give me souls. God, you, you do something so that others can see you. God, in myself, I can't do it. But God, if you touch me, God, if you anoint me, God, if you open doors, I'll do it. But you've got to help me because it's not me. It's not my nature. Don't limit what God does in your life based on what you see that your insufficiencies are. Don't do it. Because that's the one that God can use the most. When you realize you can't, He can he can. When we trust our strengths, we fall on our face. When we look at our weaknesses and trust God, He'll move you out. He'll use you. Listen, don't be satisfied just going through, just doing what comes natural. Don't be satisfied waiting on somebody else. Say, God, expand my boundaries of my influence. Expand the boundaries of my influence. Lord, don't let my life cause pain. But God, let my life be something that points others toward the God of Israel, the God that can turn their lives around. So we see that he had influence. We, don't, we see later, if you look in history, there is a city named Jabez. He influenced people enough to where his family, and he becomes such a, a man of God that his, a city, no doubt, was carrying his name. And in fact, his descendants later, you find that his descendants, no doubt, are, are become scribes translating and, and copying the Word of God. He, he had a godly influence and it impacted not only his life in the present, but it impacted those who came behind them. Even today, what are we doing? We're talking about it. His life had an impact. He asked for God to expand his boundaries and his boundaries came all the way over here. And so we see God can use you to do things that's above and beyond what you can do in yourself. Oh, he wants to enlarge your boundaries for his impact for God. He wants to do that in your life. So we see this morning that he asked first for the bless with God's overflow. He then asked God to bless with his expanded boundaries. And then third, he prayed in that third part of that verse, Jabez prayed for God to bless with his influence in his life. We see it, uh, the third part, it says, uh, and he prayed for God, and it says, and that thine hand might be with me. He had wisdom to understand that what he was asking for was for God to influence his life. That God would influence his, his decisions first most. 
So many times we, we ask God only when we make a mistake, then, oh, God, help me fix my mistakes. And Jabez was smart enough that he says, God, I want when people see my life, I want them to see your hand in all the things of my life. Isn't what, what greater thing could God, in your life, are you saying, God, would you influence my life? Many times we don't. Many times we say, God, give me this, give me that. But we're not saying, God, would you direct my steps? Would you direct my heart? Would you direct the things that I do? God, did Lord, influence my decisions that they glorify you. How many times could you say, oh, I wish I'd have prayed that one morning because I, I made some huge mistakes and if I'd have been praying that, I probably wouldn't have made them. God, influence my decision. Hey, another thing he was praying, God, influence my desires. God, help me to want. You know what? He, if you look at his prayer, his number one thing was he wanted God. He wanted God to impact his life. He wanted God to turn pain around to someone who glorified God instead of pain that it was gain, that it was something that he could use to glorify God. He wanted God to change his desires so that he wanted what God... That's how we get God's best in our life is when our desires matches what God wants. Our desires should be what God wants to do in our life. You know what else? He wanted God to influence his decisions, his desires. He wanted God to influence his direction. God, the path that I take, Lord, you are the one that needs to direct it, God. You need to direct the direction of my life, God. Because if you don't, I'm going to steer off. How many times in Scripture, we, even some great men of God we can see throughout history that their life was going great and all of a sudden something happened and they veered off, off direction because they weren't looking to God for strength and help. They got too confident in themselves and because they wouldn't trust in God for His influence... They went the wrong direction. Their life was shipwrecked. And in our lives, every single day, that's what the enemy's coming against us to do. He wants to influence us to not seek God's face, to go after your own desires, to live your life to please yourself. And Jabez says, that's not what I want. God, would your hand be upon my life? Would your anointing be upon my life every day of my life? And he continued, I guarantee you, every day he continued to call out on God to do this in his life. And we see that God did it. God moved. And finally, we're going to see the fourth point this morning. Jabez also prayed for God to bless with his protection. How many of us realize we are no match for the enemy that we face? In our own strength, we do not fight flesh and blood. We don't fight enemies that we can win with our own strength. We can't do it. It takes God. It takes His protection. It takes His power. He goes on in the last part of that verse in, in verse 10 and says, And that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. We must look out for the temptations in our life that's coming against us every day. There's going to be temptations you face maybe even today you didn't expect. There's different times when temptation comes and most of the time you're not expecting it. There is some people uh, uh, who face temptation when they hit the trial. They, they, they hit temptation because they hit a struggle and they think God's turned their back and they just let down their guard and just say, well, it ain't making no difference and they walk away from the things of God. And so that's a dangerous thing when you hit that trial and you give up and like God, God must be turning His back. No, that's not the truth. That's a lie. And you fell right into temptation. But there's even one that's even more scary. There's one that's even more subtle that you'll miss if you don't watch. David fell into this one. There is times when you are so vulnerable because you've experienced spiritual victories. 
It's those times when everything's going wonderful. You're coming right off the top of a mountaintop experience and God's been working. Now you're tired. You've been going through it and you've been trusting God and He's come through. You got a good report and God's got money in the bank and the kids are all okay and the job's looking good and the economy's turning back up. You've got two payments left on the house and everything looks good and we're just, whoa, revival's going on. And so we get careless. In those times. And the enemy will come in when we least expect him. When you think you would never face the temptation on the mountaintop. Why? Why would we fall into that? We get careless. We get tired. We weren't expecting him at that spot. David fell into that. David was a, a king after God's own heart. And David was someone who was, the, was probably one of the most mighty generals in battle. And he loved to be in the thick of it. And he wouldn't pull back and just watch his men. He was right out there fighting with them. And he was someone who was a powerful man. He was a great leader. And in fact, that's what made Saul so mad. It says, Saul's killed his thousands, but David's killed his tens of thousands. The enemy feared David because he was a fierce warrior. He had victory after victory after victory. He was coming off that mountaintop. And we see that it was time when kings go back to war. And he felt like, I've won enough. I think I'll take a little break. I deserve it. And he sends his men out to war. Instead of being where he should have been. We see that he's standing on a rooftop at midnight instead of being in the battle where he should be, where he would be expecting the enemy to come. He didn't expect the enemy to come while he's standing on a roof at midnight. And he's standing there and he looks over the top and he sees a beautiful woman bathing. And he doesn't turn away. He didn't see it coming. If he would have known at that very minute the price that look was going to cost him, that first look is, wasn't the sin, it was the fact that he kept looking. It's that he kept taking it in. And he was letting the things he was seeing impact his heart. That's where sin took hold of him. If he would have known what that was going to cost him, he would have run. He would have jumped off the other side of the <laughs> rooftop if he would have known what it was going to cost him. But David fell into sin with that one look, being where he shouldn't have been because he had come off a spiritual high. And we find him vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. And he fell into it. So Jabez, we see that in 2 Samuel chapter 11, I won't have time to go into all those details, but with David with Bathsheba, we see that he fell and it cost him. It cost him. We, we need to realize that Jabez is telling us, God, I know. I know in my life, Lord, there is spiritual battles that's going to come against me. And Lord, I'm weak. My name means pain. My name means pain and my tendency is going to be to fall right into it. God, would you please go before me? Would you open my eyes to the battles I'm going to face? Would you keep me from falling into this evil that stands before me? Would you guard my heart? Would you open my eyes? Would you not let me be careless when the enemy's coming? Would you put your hedge of protection about me? Are we praying that way? God, open my eyes this morning. God, go before me. You know everything the enemy's going to do before he does it. Would you open my eyes? Would you put up a hedge to block him Lord and if he comes Lord that you would make it plain to me that I would be able to see the enemy before have you ever seen that have you ever sensed God ever give you a caution and says don't do it someone says something and the Lord says don't say anything or the Lord says don't go there or someone's trying to get you to do something and he's quickening your spirit and says don't do it don't listen that's what he's praying for God give me wisdom give me your Holy Spirit give me direction oh he knew that 
when God, without God's protection in his life, he was going to cause pain. You know what? The first pain he was worried about, and this is my last point, so this won't take long, but we see that David was trying to make sure, first of all, he didn't grieve God himself. He didn't want to grieve God. We don't want to grieve God. Scripture tells us in Psalms 139, verse 24, uh, in the English Standard Version, it says, because it uses this word, that, uh, it says, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. God, don't let me. You know my steps. Don't let me grieve you. Don't let me. One scripture says, if we, you know, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. It sealed you. The Holy Spirit is what God puts in us to seal us to. It's like that doorpost over the Hebrew children that says they're mine. And sometimes we grieve God Himself. God is grieved. And when we, God's grieved because of sin in our heart and life, it blocks His ability to pour His blessing on us. It blocks His ability to help us and protect us. We separate ourselves from the blessings of God. It puts a wall between us and God. When we let sin get in our heart and we fall into temptation, and we put sin that separates us from God. Oh, God says, oh, Lord, I don't want you to, be, to grieve me. And so he didn't want to grieve God. And it's what he's, you know what else? He didn't want to grieve others. He already went through that. His name meant pain. He'd already hurt his mother. He'd already, everyone who said his name was a reminder. That was his, that was his future. We see that David grieved others. Not only did David, when he did this sin, it grieved God. Because this is God's cho uh, chosen uh, king over his people. And now God couldn't bless his life, and so he sent Nathan the prophet to put a finger in his face. Why? Because there was a separation. There was sin that was going to cause destruction. And so God revealed it because he was grieved. Not only that, it grieved other people what David did. Your and my sin, our mistakes that we make, grieves other people. We impact other people than ourselves. We see, of course, David's sin impacted Uriah. He lost his life. He lost his wife. He lost everything. Bathsheba, who became expectant, and she was in a situation to where the sin was a problem and a reproach for her. Even this child's life was in result was he died because of this sin, this temptation he filled in. Even David's family, there was turmoil even in his own family. In fact, we see from that moment forward that even his son Absalom turned against him and there was war within his own family. Why? Because he chose to fall into the temptation. He wasn't saying like Jabez, God, please keep me away from it. Keep my eyes open so that I can see what's coming before me. God, I don't want to grieve you. I don't want to grieve others. Even the nation was torn in a civil war because some chose to go with Absalom and some chose to go with David and the whole country was being penalized because someone who was not looking for God to give him help when he needed it and we see that this was a period of destruction we don't want to grieve God we don't want to grieve others and the end result is is when we do those things it actually grieves us and that's what he's saying. Don't let it. He knew that whatever he did, if he grieved God, if he grieved others, these same things was going to come back and it was going to make his name fulfilled. I'm going to bring grief not only to others, but to myself. My name is going to be Jabez because of the, uh, because of the sin in my life. We see that he didn't want to grieve himself. David wept before God because of the pain that he had caused. He wept and he come clean before God and he knew that he deserved whatever destruction, whatever judgment that God had for him. But it was because he wasn't prepared spiritually, he let his guard down. And so what a wise thing for someone to pray is that God keep me 
from wickedness because if I do it, it's going to cause even pain to myself. It's going to bring damage to myself. Oh, God. So we see here this prayer he prayed. It was 33 words. 33. 33. And what happened? What response did... Does God care? I mean, 33 words. God can't be that impressed with that. We see God's response at the end of that verse 10 and says, we see what God's response it says, and God granted him that which he requested. God answered every single one of them. Does God only want to answer this man's life that was so obscure in history? That all we know of his life is one thing. That out of his 500 brethren that's listed, there is a period that God says, this man was above them all. This man was above all of his brethren. Why? He prayed a prayer. Who did he pray to? The God of Israel. And God heard. And God answered. There's things in your life that you will never have if you don't ask for. If we don't get in a place that we say, God, above everything on my prayer list, number one is that you come down and live in me like you want to live and you have your way right here in this life and this heart. You do whatever you want to do. Bless my life. God, bless my influence. God, bless my decisions. God, bless me, God, that I would see the traps. And God, you put your hedge of protection around me. And let my name not cause pain, but Lord, let my name be something that brings glory to your name. You do those things and God wants to do it. God wants to answer in your life. This is exactly how I want my... I was thinking this this week. Lord, this is how I want my life. If, my, if I tarry long enough to have a tombstone, and I'm not in a rush to get there, but if I do get there, and what I'd love to be on that tombstone is not just James Hacker, 1966 to 20, way out there, uh, number, and I want it to say this, uh, on the, to say that he called on God, and he answered him. Hallelujah. He called on God, and he answered him. What a, what a wonderful testament of someone's life that they knew how to call on God. We're living, as I close, we're living in a time when it's going to take people that knows how to call on God to turn a nation. Amen. Turn a nation. Right. The, the, there's other 500 men. We're waiting for somebody else to do it. And one man says, I can't wait for somebody else. God, right here, use me. God, do something in my own life. God, make a difference in my life. And God did. This morning, God wants to pour out His Spirit. God wants to bless your life. God wants to give you help that you've never had. God wants to expand boundaries. And we don't even trust Him to do what He's already given us. But if we'll say, God, I, I know you can do more in my life, He'll expand. He'll, he'll give you influence. He'll give you boundaries. He'll bless your life. He wants other people to see your life being blessed because you're His child. God wants to bless your life. God wants to anoint your life with His presence so that when other people... Hey, what wonderful thing is that when people come around and say, when I have a problem, I want to go to that person because God's hand's on their life. And when I couldn't need somebody to pray for, I know where to go. God wants to influence your life, your decisions, the way you impact others around you. He wants to do that. And God wants to put a hedge about you 
The enemy's coming against you. He's coming against me. So many times I've fallen into that ditch because I wouldn't expect it. But I want to pray this way every day. God, keep my eyes open. Let me see the enemy. And God, that's not his territory. That's yours. God, help me to see it. And God, help me be victorious. And God, help me just keep pushing back and taking all the territory you want. And for your children, has already been promised. God will do it. Don't let us get there, even though it was just a story. And get on the other side, and we get to see. I think sometimes it'll be some of the most horrible things is when we get there and we see what we could have had, but we didn't even ask. We didn't even ask. Oh, today, there, there's an opportunity to ask again. Amen? There's an opportunity to ask again. If you'd be, stand this morning, Sister Priscilla would come. This morning, we want to give you an opportunity to let God... Bless your life again. He wants to do it. He's, he's got more in abundance than we can even imagine or ask or think. But we're going to have to ask Him for it. We're going to have to stand upon it. We're going to have to trust Him for it. I, I'm telling you, I want this to change even the way I pray. And I've, been, I've already started this weekend praying differently because I believe He wants to do some things and that He received the glory in every one of them. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you give us these verses so that we can see that, God, you're a good God. God, you want to answer prayer. God, you want to pour out your blessing. God, you want to impact lives. God, you want to change family trees. God, you want to do mighty things in lives. But, God, we need to trust you and ask you and desire from you. Lord, you need to change us, God. Give us a new heart. Give us a new expectation. Let us see, God, you have everything that we need or desire. Desire. And God, it's the best things for us. And God, I pray that there would be faith that rise up within us, Almighty God. That the enemy wants to say, no, you can't have it because you're not worthy. But God, we serve a God that says, I want to give you good things. I want to pour out my blessings upon you. I want to fill you with my Holy Spirit. I want you to see that I'll answer prayer if you'll ask me. And God, this nation, we need prayer more than anything else, God. And God, I pray as our nation cries out to you, as this church cries out to you, God, that you show yourself in such a mighty way. God, that we, Lord, there be a victory within our heart. That God is Jabez, that we will be able to walk in victory. Why? Because we trusted the God of Israel. God, we trusted the God that's still on the throne today. And God, we thank you, Lord. You're doing it, God. You're a mighty God. Break down strongholds of doubt. Break down strongholds of fear. God, things that keep us from getting to you. God, do it today. Lord, do it here. Start here, Lord. This is not the enemy's territory. This is not the enemy's territory, Lord, but push them back. This is yours. These are your children. These are your people, God. Lord, bring down everything that God keeps us from getting to the best that you have for us. Let us not miss one blessing you have for us today. And God, it starts with an outpouring of your Holy Spirit, Almighty God. Oh, Lord, don't let us leave it, God, sitting there. Oh, Lord, unclaimed. Oh, God, move today. By your mighty spirit. Hallelujah. In this place. This morning with your heads bowed. Hallelujah. No one looking around. Let me ask you this first. Is there anyone here this morning you're willing to say, I, I really, I, I need God. I'm I, Right now I'm not living for God. My life is not completely surrendered to God. I want His blessings. It's got to start with living for Him. And so this morning, if that's you and you're in this house, no one's looking but me, just raise your hand. Put it back down. Say, pray for me, brother. Pray for me that the Lord would have His way in my life. Oh, that you would pray for me that God would bless my life. It starts with the greatest gift of salvation He has for you this morning. Oh, hallelujah. It's available. Hallelujah. It's available. Anybody this morning. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. And then this morning, I'm going to ask you another thing. How many this morning is wanting to say, Lord, if you've got something for me and I haven't claimed it, Lord, I want it all. I want everything you've got. Lord, pour it out on me. Lord, here's my hand. Here's my voice. Oh, God, have your way in our hearts. Have your way in our lives. Hallelujah. This morning as I open this altar, just this morning, just in, just in your mind, say that the box is wide open. God's blessings is poured out up in the front of this service. And I pray that you would come and find a place to stand. And standing there, raise your hand and say, God, whatever it is right here, Lord, I want it. I desire it. God, I want you to bless me. I want you to bless my family tree. I want you to bless the influence that I everything, God, whatever you have, Lord, I choose you. And this altar is now open. Amen. As Priscilla comes or plays this morning, come and find what you need right here. Come and say, Here I am, Lord. Here I am. I need you. I choose you, Almighty God. I choose you, Lord. I want all you have for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you don't ask, you won't get. Hallelujah. If you don't call out, all that will stay there unavailable. Almighty God, we want You, Lord. We desire You, God. We've got to have, Lord, more of You. We need You, God, more than anything else. Lord, don't let one person leave this place, God, without experiencing all that You have. God, that there would be a hunger like never before, God. Lord, that we would see that, Lord, You want to pour out blessing, God. Lord, You don't want us to go home casual. You don't want us to go home the way we left this morning. But God, You want Your blessing. You want Your Spirit. You want Your presence. Almighty God to flow, Lord. God, You want to pour out good things on Your children. God, let us desire You more than anything. Almighty God, move, Lord. Oh, Lord, have Your way. Have Your way, God, right here. Bless every life. Bless every heart, God. Lord, let there be such a stirring. God, let there be, Lord, just a softening, God. Just a hunger, God. Lord, that we would call out on You. Oh, pour out Your Spirit, Lord. Pour out Your Spirit, Lord. Pour out Your Spirit. God, bless each and every heart in life. God, as we reach up, Lord, that Your goodness, Your blessings would be poured out. Lord, in such a way, God. Lord, more, more hunger, God. Give us more hunger for You, God. Oh, Lord, we want what we, God, You've got for us. Oh, Lord, You want to do more in this last hour. Lord, You want to do great and mighty things. Oh, God, in this hour than ever before. Oh, Jesus, hallelujah. Oh, we're hungry for You. We're hungry for You, God. Do it, Lord, feel. Pour out Your Spirit, Lord, on each and every life. God, Lord, let us not walk from here, God, unchanged. But, oh, God, that, Lord, we will walk out with a confidence. Almighty oh, God, that we've touched You. Lord, that You love us. That You want to bless us. And God, You want us to want You more than anything else. Oh Lord, when we do that, oh Lord, You pour out Your Spirit. Oh God, do it, Lord. You, God, do the work, God, right here. We're hungry for You. Hungry for You, Lord. Pour it out. Pour it out, God. I want all You've got for me. I want all You've got for me, Lord. I want all You've got for this church, oh God. Lord, I want us to experience overflow. I want to experience Your blessings, God. Lord, let us be able to reach others for You. Almighty God, You've got work to do. Lord, You've got work. You want us to stand in the gap. You want us to reach out for others. God, we can't do it in ourselves. We're insufficient in ourselves. But God, You can go above and beyond in our lives. You're looking for us who says, I'm too weak, God. But You're not, Lord. And You'll move and bless, oh God. 
Lord, you want to pour out blessing. You want to pour out your spirit. You want your hand to be in each and every life. You want your spirit to be poured out, Lord, in each life. Oh, God, you want to fill us overflowing. God, that there's no room left within us. God, that we're we're just filled and overflowing with your mighty presence and power, God. Lord, you want to push back the enemy. Lord, that's coming to steal, to kill and destroy. You can open our eyes, God. You can give us the victory, God. You can give us great victory, Lord, in our lives. No longer God falling. No longer God being stolen from. Almighty God, but give great victory, Lord, in our lives, in our children's lives. Oh, Lord, in our loved ones' lives. Almighty God, you have victory. Oh, God, and we believe it. We stand on your word. We stand on your word. We believe you, Lord. We believe your goodness. We believe it's available today. We believe you're doing it even as we cry out. Almighty God, do it, Lord. God, give us a faith we've never seen before. God, that we would be able to take hold of something, God. That, Lord, it gives us an assurance that you're here, that you're moving, that you're working, God. Do it, Lord. Stir your people. God, stir your people. Give us a new heart. Give us a new desire. Give us a new dwelling of your presence and spirit. Give us a new overflow. Oh, do it, God. Do it, God. Right here, Lord. Needy, God. Right here, we're needy. This morning, God, we're asking all you've got for us, God. All you've got, Lord, right here. All you've got, Lord, pour it out. Do it, holy God. Do it, holy God. Oh, God, right here. Find a hungry people. Oh, God, find a people who says, Lord, without you, we're going to cause pain. God, without you, our lives is just going to fulfill, Lord, what our lives has always been. But God, this morning, you can turn it around. God, you can change us. God, you can give us a brand new name this morning. Almighty God, turn it around. Bring victory, God. Bring great victory this morning, God. Oh, Lord, let not one walk away without the overflow of your presence. Oh, God, do a work. Stir, Holy Spirit. Stir, Holy God. Bless, Holy God. Bless, Holy God. We need you. God, we need you. We need you, God. Oh, do it, Lord. Lord, we need you, Lord. We need you, God. Do it, Lord, right here. God, right here, Lord, more than ever before. God, this hour, Lord, we can't keep going without an overflow of your Spirit and presence. We can't keep going. Our nation, Lord's in a crossroads. We need it, God. Our nation needs you, God. Oh, Lord, do it, God. Lord, let others see your glory. Let others see your glory. Let others see your blessing, oh, God.